welcome to the Mind Your Leadership podcast. I'm Karen Silk. In this podcast, I will have conversations with thought leaders, CEOs, and managers from various organizations about leading mindfully. We will learn from experienced leaders how they implement mindful leadership in the day-to-day organizational culture, and we will gain tools and skills. So stay with us. Today, I will speak with Michael King. Michael is the founder and CEO of Jamie's Coach LLC. He's a sought-after executive and business leadership coach. Michael helps business leaders clarify and execute and high-level tools by priority teams methodology to develop measurable business growth and company-wide collaboration. Michael is close to 20 years of hands-on experience leading teams and organizations. We'll speak today about what is the best way to communicate with leaders and how we can engage better and create better cooperation between team members. So stay with us. So, Michael, thank you for joining. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Michael, I understand that you are working with the leaders and executive, right? To help them better lead themselves and their teams. I'm really curious to hear what you see the most challenging parts for leaders and business owners nowadays. I don't know if it's necessarily nowadays, but um, there's been definitely this shift over the last few years in which um, higher levels of of emotional intelligence are required within the workspace. There's been a, quite a bit of terminology uh, floating around regarding this idea of the, the great resignation or whatnot. I almost look at it as almost like the great reckoning because it's, it's almost like, it's almost like the, the ecosystems and the value systems of how we've been leading our teams. It is almost kind of like enough has been enough when it comes to how we look at people, the value systems that we have within our organizations. What does empowerment look like? What does micromanagement look like? What does trust truly really look like on our team? Because trust is a superpower in order to build. But when we look at all of these things and we reverse engineer it back to this singular thing that we need to focus on, it really always comes down to self-leadership and executing our vision in a way that is compelling and engaging to those that are around us. How we pull that off is a completely different story. The short answer to your question, I think self-leadership is probably one of the most difficult things right now because there's so many things that can distract us. I, I tell leaders this all the time that you can either have disciplines or you can have distractions, but you can't have both. So as a leader, how are you making sure that your vision is compelling enough that actually keeps you on track, but it's clear enough as well that you know how to execute and move towards your vision with clarity without you know, manipulating and, 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 and harming your team in the process? So I couldn't agree with you more because when I talk about mindfulness, I talk about the the way to lead nowadays is by self-management, right? It's first of all, begin with ourselves about our values and what's important for us and where we want to head. And then we can manage others because if we don't know to manage ourselves, so it will be really challenging. And I agree with you that the great resignation, I like, like what you say, because something is awakening right now when we say, okay, we're not playing the game anymore that... We used to play in this in the corporate world and the business world. We want different things. So, what do you think? You talk about trust, and it's crucial. We have a lot of in common. You know, it's really interesting for me to 
you have your own methodology, right, of uh, teams. What is your team methodology that you help leaders to connect their teams, to engage in teams? Sure. My team's methodology is really about singular focus and helping leaders to be able to, uh, to move towards their vision and execute well. You know, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm the type of leader that if I'm not necessarily seeing the needle move or seeing progress happen within the organizations that I'm currently working with, I start to get a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit anxious and, and just feeling like I'm not really living out my purpose. And, and what I'm finding is that the more C-level leaders that I'm working with, this is the pretty common thing that, that we all have in common is that we all want to live for purpose and we all want to be able to see results along the way. With my team's methodology, it really comes down to these five key specific, I would say measurables or KPIs per se, but there are also some philosophical shifts that have, that have happened within my team's methodology that I think that have been game changers for a lot of the people that I work with. So the first one is that we always, we always look at targets of, of very clearly identifying, okay, what are the goals that we're trying to accomplish on a week-to-week or a day-to-day basis? It doesn't have to be something that's a really big strategic initiative or goal, but what's something simple? Engagement. Engagement always happens from three or four different ways. And so we want to measure that. So even within our teams.coach app, I love this because I log into my app on a day-to-day basis to find out what my clients are saying about engagement. How are they engaging with themselves? Are they leading themselves well? We have three different ways that we kind of measure self-leadership. How are they engaging with their team as a whole? Is there a disconnect on a scale of one to 10? You know, what, what does engagement look like there? And then how are they engaging with their direct report? And the fourth one is how are they engaging with their audience? Mm-hmm. So important. And I can't tell you how important it is that we've actually inserted emotional intelligence into kind of a KPI or a measurable, because I think at the end of the day, that's the thing that actually probably influences culture more than anything within your organization. A stands for action. So what's the one tangible thing that you're doing this week or today that's going to help you accomplish your goal? Momentum is your M. Now, momentum, we, I, like, I talk about this quite a bit differently just because most leaders end up burning out when they keep on adding more things to try to get more momentum. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're about. It's really more about like identifying the things that aren't working or the things that are slowing you down removing those things from your life and giving yourself authority and permission to be able to take those things out of play. And that's cause of momentum. And then S, synergy. How are you celebrating your wins? Have you actually created this a part of your ecosystem, your leadership identity to celebrate wins with your team and even with yourself in simple ways? Interesting. So, you know, when you spoke, a few things resonated within me and I was curious to, to hear your examples of what managers say about engagement, how they engage with themselves and their employees, their colleagues, it's important. It's interesting for our listeners. What does it mean to engage? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I think leadership in, in how things have changed. And I mean, you're working with high level leaders all the time. And so you know this is that when it comes to influence and impact, more times than not, you need to have permission in order to move people. And I think that that's probably one of the great things that we get to experience right now is that the days of high-level narcissistic leader leadership are coming to an end very, very quickly. And I'm personally enjoying, enjoying the process of seeing some of these things fold out. I don't like seeing people getting hurt by unhealthy leaders. I've had my own experiences working with unhealthy leaders that have caused some catastrophic uh, circumstances in my life. And I think that's probably why one of the pain points or one of the passion points that have come out of my life is really working with leaders to help them get to a place of being healthy, capable, and uh, comprehensive leaders. But when we're talking about engagement, 
think about it from this way. It's along the lines of like, when I, when I'm able to lead myself, well, then I give myself an opportunity to be able to impact influence and lead my family. Well, Mm -hmm. And when things are taken care of well in my home or, or leading well in the spaces that are closest proximity to me with the people that matter the most to me, then there's this overflow of influence and impact that I can have with my team, the people that are working directly on my staff. And, and now because I have, I'm leading from a place of, of, you know, of personal health, personal impact, my, my home is is in order and financially I'm taking care of the things that I need to do. And there's this overwhelming tension that starts to disappear a bit because you're taking care of the things that are a priority, then you can actually get permission to start leading the people that are serving on your teams. Then you get the, the opportunity to be able to lead and impact and influence your audience. What I find more times than not when it comes to this idea of engagement is you might have a platform and you might have even a really big personality. You might be the most charismatic leader on planet earth and you could be probably even one of the most entertaining people on planet earth. But the reality is, is that your influence and your impact a lot of times gets short-circuited or compromised because you're not actually get able to get past the place of leading in yourself and leading in your home well, mm-hmm. so you can have credibility in the places that matter the most. It's really interesting what you're saying. You're actually talking about holistic leadership. You say you can't lead like when you're a holistic person, right? So if I'm struggling now at home. I won't be able to bring myself fully and to engage my employees because I'm not fully complete with myself and calm and relaxed. So you say, first of all, start within yourself, in your self-home, in your private area with your loved ones and close ones. And once you will be able to do it, you can broaden your impact and you will inspire others because you will work off of center and anchor and then you will have much more impact than splitting yourself, like saying, let's engage the employees, but you're all struggling at home. So this is what I'm hearing from what you say. Am I right? Yeah, I, you are. And it's not, it's not easy. And by, which, by the way, it's way easier for me to say, hey, this is really, you know, when, you, when it comes to impact within your marketplace or within, even in your own team, it's way easier for me to, to talk to you today about the idea of leading yourself from a place in which you create holistic environments with the people that you care about and the people that you love. And well, here's the thing is that that's hard. You know, I work through this on a day-to-day basis because here's the thing is that when it comes to me investing in the people that I'm, that are currently on my team or showing up, like whether I'm speaking at a conference, doing a podcast like this, or, or working with one of my clients, you know, I think one of the things that I struggle with the most is that if my home isn't in order, or if if something is bugging one of my kids in their life and just, you know, to where there's something going on, kind of there's some noise in the back of my head that um, that is creating some compromise in the way that I would lead. And for me, the most powerful place that I can be is the moment that I'm in right now, like right here between you and I, we're on this podcast and we're talking things through. But if I showed up here today and things were a disarray with my wife or things were a disarray with my kids and there's big things going on, well, it's going to compromise the way that I, I look at things. And I want to make sure that we just give people the best, most pure and uncompromised uh, opportunity for us to be able to lead and influence people around us the best we can. And so to eliminate some of those things is really important. So I couldn't agree with you more. So what do you offer leaders that they see their employees struggling, how they can help them show up fully and bring this fully in a holistic way? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think again, 
I mean, there's 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 these two different paths that I'm, I work with leaders with pretty consistently. And and when it comes to self leadership, there's some practices that that we put into place. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about more about the the, the thought funnel though. First, is that is that the noise that we hear determines the things that we think about, and the things that we think about determine the way that we feel, and the way that we feel determines the decisions and the behaviors that a lot of times manifest themselves coming out of our life. And so when it comes back to that noise, that thing that's in our head, the, the, the things that are around us, how do we manage that? How do we navigate that? Because ultimately at the end of the day, if, if, I, if I just kind of like took what I just told you, it would appear that the noise and the distractions in our life have a pretty big impact on the decisions that we make. So three things that I, that I specifically talk about, Craig Rochelle is a leadership guy here in the United States, and he's phenomenal. But I was listening to a podcast from him. I think it was probably about maybe a year, year and a half ago. And he's talking about this idea of self-leadership. And I loved it. But he talked about this idea of, first and foremost, what are our, what are our inputs? So what are we listening to? You know, what's coming into our lives? What are our attempts? The second thing, great leaders never accomplish anything new without trying something new. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty simple, right? And then the third one, so we go from it from inputs to attempts. And then we talk about this idea of like, what are our influences of, of that as a man or a woman, we have to kind of come to grips with this idea that we are the sum average of the five loudest voices in our life. And I think the mistakes that I've made in that one category alone is that I've just kind of assumed that those five loudest voices are the ones that just happened organically. Like I had to just kind of take the cards that were dealt to me per se. And the biggest shift in my own personal leadership is when I, when I started to realize I actually have an opportunity to assign people to those seats. I don't have to necessarily just take what's given to me. And so there's been pain points along the way of like choosing who gets to sit in those seats. And that means that doesn't mean I'm going to eliminate people from my life, but it does mean, do you actually get the ability to sit in the most influential places in my life? That's a big question, right? It's a crucial thing. And it's interesting because I also... You know, I think as you evolve as a person, as a human, as a leader, yes, you recognize who the people are around you and other positive influence or are they making, belittle you. And sometimes, you know, you grow and you, people don't feel comfortable with it. And then you need to, to be courageous enough to see it and decide if you want them to still be in your life, even that you probably love them because you were, they were part of your life, but maybe now it's not a good fit anymore and you need to have the courage to let go. And I also, I really can connect to it because I went through it and I needed to let go of a few people in my life. And it's really hard, you know, part of letting go, but it's so crucial because you, you see it's not a good fit anymore and you stay there, although it doesn't serve you anymore. I think this is also being able to manage ourselves. It's really crucial to be able to get out of our automatic behaviors, right? It doesn't serve us anymore. And once we see it, mm-hmm. The challenging part is to act upon it and change it because it's really a challenge. What do you say? Wonderful ideas on this. And, you know, the reality that, I, that I've encountered too is that a lot of the behaviors that exist in my life and even some of the decisions that make in my life, they're usually a reaction to something that's going on in my life or in the world or in those relationships around me. And having a healthy perspective and being completely grounded in who I truly am and what I'm all about and be able to make cognitive uh, decisions on based on, you know, positive emotional health is 100%. I mean, I think psychological, emotional and relational and spiritual health are some of the things 
that really are, you know, once we have those things in focus, now we actually qualify ourselves to actually make some really good decisions in our life. But if we're not in places of, of actually being healthy in, in some of those areas, and maybe even financial would be kind of a fifth one as well, then uh, we find ourselves making some pretty big compromising decisions, not like immoral decisions, but we end up making compromising decisions because we're emotionally reacting to things instead of trying to be progressive in our leadership. So there's a difference between reactionary and progressive leadership. And most people don't know the difference of it until it's too late. Can you give a, a listener an example? What does it mean to be re- reactive and proactive and maybe someone that you worked with and you overcome it? Or... Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, first and foremost, I do want to say this is that, so if, you're, if, if anybody is listening to this and they find themselves being in a reactionary leadership model, I just want to let, let you know, like, I care about that and I care about you and, I, and I'm sorry that you're experiencing that. These are where the things get spin out unfortunately, way too often. And it's hard for us to get in control of it. Um, there's, a, there's a leadership model called, uh, it's called the sigmoid curve. Have you ever heard of this? The sigmoid curve? No. Okay. Well, if I was able to draw a picture for you, basically, it's the idea of like, when do we actually initiate change within, within the life cycle of a leader or life cycle of an organization? So it kind of looks like this, just your typical curve. But on the front side of the curve is the opportunity where, you know, when things are going incredibly well, a leader has an opportunity to initiate change before they actually get to their, to their peak. But once they get over the top of the peak, more times than not, that's when a leader starts to, to, starts to see the emotional need to make a change. When they start to see the decline, when they start to see top line revenue start to sink, when they start to see team culture kind of shift into a space that is a little bit negative, so this is where more times than not, this is where some leaders start to go, okay, it's time to initiate change because things are starting to go south a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, if as much as I would love to tell you that that's going to be an easy journey, it's much easier for you to institute change when things are going great, to change kind of before you have to change. The reactionary model gets us to the other side of now we're in a downward spin and things are starting to go south a little bit and you're starting to see your energy and just the momentum of your organization start to stall out a bit. And so now you're putting more energy into things to try to try to fabricate some new energy. And that is where it gets incredibly difficult. In fact, one of the clients that I'm currently working with today or over this past week is I've noticed that micromanagement and unfortunately, very, very unhealthy emotional environments within, within their team take precedence over everything because they're always reacting to things. And I think as a leader, probably the best thing that's ever happened to me was when I started to understand is that there's one thing that I can control in my life. And that's the cadence of what is actually priority versus what's not priority. And when we make that shift in our head of understanding that when somebody else is making us feel like something is a priority, we're actually being manipulated in some sort of way. And so if we can't actually get in control and and get in front and and actually decide what is priority, what's getting our time, what's getting our strategies and our systems and what's getting our emotional health, how do we react to that? If we can get in front of it, then we can actually control the cadence and we can actually, you know, build out our strategy to this. But if we're always on the backside, emotionally reacting to something, guess what? Our whole team is going to recognize it. Our whole team's going to feel micromanaged. They're going to feel like they're get beat. They're, they've been given things only to be taking things away. And once you get into that space, credibility goes away so fast. 
I think that's probably one of the things I'm scared about with one of my clients right now is like, I don't necessarily know if I can get their credibility back yet. It's going to be a long journey. It's interesting. Let me see if I understood. You say that, first of all, I agree with you that usually we change, we have a change in our life. It's all from pleasure or from pain, right? So usually we don't like as human beings to get out of our comfort zone. So we, we wait to the painful experience and then we don't have any choice and we need to be reactive, right? It's not a proactive story, right. right? So you're speaking about the fact that as leaders nowadays, we need to be able to have the courage to shift and navigate our companies, even in the, when we're in pleasure, to look ahead and to take our team with us and there to try new, new areas, right? To get out of our comfort zone and then people will come with us. But once we are not choosing out of pleasure and we react into reality and because we don't have any choice, then we lose our credibility. And this actually is not a leadership because we're reacting, we're not leading. Did I understand right? Yeah, absolutely. And you, you nailed it perfectly. So well done. There's a big difference between reaction and leadership, you know, and I, and I, and I would just encourage, encourage everybody just to understand that the one thing that we actually get to choose, this is, this is what we get to choose is we get to choose to be a priority, which actually is a priority and understanding the cadence that we, that we put to it. Now, let me go ahead and take you down a really quick path here. And let me know if this makes sense to you or not, but Whenever we find ourselves feeling like something's urgent, that urgency immediately triggers an emotional response of some sort of like priority or of reaction of saying, okay, we got to get this done right away. So the idea that something is urgent triggers an emotional response within us that usually exposes that something probably should have been a priority in the first place, but either we drop the ball on it or it just simply wasn't a priority and now it's a blind spot. Mm -hmm. And so once we get that kind of that mental awareness that, okay, something should have been a priority. Now all of a sudden the cycle continues over again of like going, Oh, now it's urgent. So therefore we're triggering an emotional response, which therefore exposes a priority that should have been in the place in the first place. And this cycle continues over and over and over again. And that's where it's like the tyranny of the urgent, right? And so if it, it was never a priority in the first place, and you, you can't actually, if everything's urgent, nothing's urgent. And if everything is a priority, then nothing is a priority. Mm -hmm. And so one of those things that I just, I always sit down with my clients and, and my team members just to remind ourselves that when things feel urgent and when things feel like a priority, it means that there was never a system or a strategy or a strategic initiative put to those things in the first place. And so the only way for us to be able to get back our cadence and get back our control is for us just to kind of regroup and understand that there simply isn't anything that can be considered a priority in your organization or in your life if you don't have a strategy assigned to it. And that's a big, that's a really big blind spot for a lot of leaders. That's amazing, actually, what you say, because you say that we are like rats getting into the loops and we can't get ourselves out of the loop. And if we will be self-aware and have the courage to look in the mirror and say, okay, this stressful situation, I created it because I wasn't clear with my calls and my what's important and to dare to change our priorities and take responsibility, then we can get out of this loop. Otherwise, we continue to act upon this unpleasant feeling because we want don't want to see the reality as it is, right? 
So we need to have the courage to yeah. get out, to, to feel the uncomfortable feelings, the angry, the frustration, and to dare to let them, give them place. And once we give them place, the emotion, our emotions, right? They can transform. Otherwise we are getting them stuck in our systems and this is manage our systems, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and there's a difference between priority and opportunity. And I want to make sure that we understand the difference between because one is one is proactive and one is reactive. And and that's very, that's really important for us to understand. Um, you know, it was just I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but it was just yesterday that they announced that Elon Musk was going to buy Twitter for forty four billion dollars. Huh. And this thing came together so fast. It was like within the last three days, you know, he decided that he wanted to do this. And as of last Friday, it was going to be a no go. But as of today, it's a go. And that's very interesting because that isn't necessarily a reactionary thing. That's a little bit more of just like an opportunity that came up. And so things moved along very quickly. I don't know if there was a system or a strategy that was put together on this. I have no idea what happened behind the scenes. But what ends up happening in the life of high capacity leaders. So when I'm work, working with, uh, with Fortune 500 companies, C-suite leaders, when I'm working with even some of the, some of the religious leaders, like pastors of, of larger churches and things like this, wherever you have large volumes of personal opinion coming your way, it's going to make you want to react. And this is why it's so important that you start off this whole conversation like we did today about your self-leadership. How are you leading yourself? Because if you put yourself in a position where you can't actually handle the feedback of your team, you can't handle the feedback of your stakeholders, or you can't handle the, the feedback of your high-level influencers within your congregations or the bigger or some of the larger groups of people that are in your life, you're going to find yourself making compromised decisions faster and quicker because you want to address the pain quicker. And the faster you can be okay with understanding that that pain is probably a lie in the first place. And that by you having control over the cadence of how you're making decisions and how you're putting your systems and strategies together and becoming the most relevant, emotionally competent leader you can be, these things can now help you overcome some of those immediate pain points. But trust me, I mean, I mean, like, I think because of the, of the level of leadership that I work with, even today, I'm feeling a little bit anxious about some of the decisions that I make. And I need to make sure that I'm managing myself well and, and being cognitively aware that I feel this way and why I feel this way is one of the best gifts that I could ever give myself. That's so true. I think a crucial element of leaders nowadays is the ability to be mindful to what we're feeling and sensing and giving it place and taking it to, into account, right? Not only our rational mind, but also our feelings, our sensations. And, you know, it's, it tells us something that our intuition it's part of our system, right? So we need to listen to our wisdom, even if we don't know to understand it right now. So usually what I give tips to my leaders that I'm working with, I tell them, you know, if you're struggling or have a dilemma, with something, I usually ask this question, I go to sleep with this question. And sometimes I will wake up with the answer, you know, I get a metaphor, but give, give it time and place and space, and then things will clarify for you. And then you will have a decision from a clear mind and not overreaction and stressful situation because then you can't see really clearly. You can act upon your emotions, but you won't be able to work with them. So I think this, it's, you know, coming back to the beginning, we talked about giving time and place, right, to ourselves and to our emotion and to emotional intelligence and working with our holistic persona. And I think the crucial element is the ability now to pause and respect ourselves and others 
and the time that we need sometimes to process things and not act really stressful because this is the, you know, there's a new article I saw lately called The Busy is the New Stupidity. We're running after <laughs> our tails. Good, huh? <laughs> Brilliant. So good. Yeah. Michael, I really enjoyed our conversation. Is there anything else that I didn't ask that you want to say? You want me to ask? Um, you know, I, I, I think... Um, no, I think we covered some really, really good things today. And I, I appreciate you having me on just to kind of share this. And, you know, as we talk about this, um, I think it's important for people to know that, you know, we're all human beings and we're all kind of figuring this out along the way. And I think that uh, especially when it comes to being a strategic leader in today's uh, market space or in today's world of you being an emotionally intelligent leader and having high levels of EQ in your organization. These are some of the hardest and most important things that we'll be talking about probably for the next decade. The reason why these are passion points for me is because I went through an incredibly painful time uh, in leadership to where I found myself making some compromising decisions because of, of things being that were being forced onto me by things that I didn't feel like I had control of. But once I actually truly understood how to lead myself through that season of chaos and get back in front of being a proactive leader versus being a reactive leader, everything literally changed for me. And I want that for the people that are listening to this day, understand that they're, even though they might be in a position of, of feeling some leadership pain, there is hope and there are ways to get through it, but it's going to take a little bit of self-work, but I know that you can do it. So um, feel free to reach out to me because they wouldn't be alone. You know, like I, I currently coaching, I don't know, a hundred different executives that are living through that type of pain right now but they're getting in front of it and they're learning how to not listen to lies that, that kind of get trapped between our ears a bit. So, so true. before I will ask you what they can reach you, it's really resonated within me. I had a conversation two weeks ago when I was you know, amazed. I was sho actually shocked because I heard a manager talk about the way his managers acted toward him in a really abusive way. And I was shocked that it occurs nowadays. And you know what I, when I was listening to him, I understood it, you know, the story with the frogs that they are in the hot water and then they boil out and they don't feel their boil out. So I think a lot of us in a situation that we don't feel comfortable, but you know, it's, we're um, pleasing others and losing ourselves, right? And we're compromising on ourselves. And this is what you're saying. Don't compromise there to listen to your feelings. And there to ask yourself if you accept this behavior and if you deserve this way of acting and choose not to cooperate with it. And once you will have the courage to listen to yourself and stand out for yourself and put boundaries and confront people, then you are a leader because it starts within ourselves. And once we are compromising on ourselves, we won't be able to guard and to be there for our employees, right? Because we are not showing up. Very well said. Uh, you've heard the saying before, is just the idea of hurt people hurt people. Compromised people compromise people. And, you know, I think that that's, that's something for every leader to be completely aware of is that you know, you're really only responsible for one thing within your life and within your organization and even in your sphere of influence is just how are you leading yourself? Because at the end of the day, this really is the true catalyst that affects everything around us. And also too, man, I would love to chat with you at some point in time about the idea of like just imposter syndrome mm -hmm. and how leaders sometimes end up compromising themselves and making decisions based on who they think they should be opposed to who they truly are and the superpowers that they have that are organically already with them. So 
those things are those things are absolutely applicable in today's leadership space but it always starts with what is happening in your heart and what's happening in your mind and how you choose to execute in ways that affect your world in a good space and you know as you said it's so paradoxical because once you you please others you lose yourself and then people don't want to be with you because they don't understand your added value because they have themselves they want you to bring your true present, right? But you need to courage to bring it. Once you respect yourself and dare to show up, it will be like a magnet. And then you will really inspire others to be with you because they will want, they will be curious to be with you and they will get from you the added value that they most needed. But sometimes it means going through struggle, confronting people, not pleasing others. And this is the challenging part, I think, is in self-management, right? Oh, my word. That is so that is so poignant and so well said. Simon Sinek said this quote the other day that being a transparent leader doesn't necessarily mean that you have to show everybody your books, but it does have it does mean that they have to understand the why behind every decision that you make. And transparency is this is 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 the on-ramp into trust. Now, for me, some of my background comes in music and being a recording artist as well, and all those things. And so what I've noticed is that the best songwriters that are the ones that have no secrets. Mm-hmm. The best songwriters are the ones that can that can just kind of lead from an open book and they can write about whatever it is that they that they want to write about because there's no, you know, like there's no areas in their life that I can't go to because they're completely okay with just being transparent. It's mm-hmm. the same thing with leadership. Your team knows whether you're a transparent leader or not, but more importantly, they also know your motivations. And so making sure that you're leading from a place where you're controlling your motivations is so crucial. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Michael, I can continue for hours speaking with you. <laughs> People want to reach out to have you as a coach. Where can they find you? Uh, please reach out to me through uh, any, any of the social platforms. So Michael King on Facebook, teams.coach is the name of my company. We started this about five years ago and we're coaching leaders and teams from all over the world. Or reach out to me at, at my website at www.teams.coach. We have some free resources available, some amazing, simple utilities. We also have an app that's available for free as well. But just to help leaders kind of just keep things moving along in a way that makes sense um, to where they get the best results they can possibly get. Thank you very much, Michael, for showing up and sharing your experience. Really enjoyed the conversation. Oh, it's such a, such a privilege. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.